Hey Bulldogs, it's Annie, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Tassel. I'm a marketing major of DeSales class of 2023, and I'm excited to be hosting this podcast with the purpose of reconnecting with our alumni and informing DSU students about the endless possibilities beyond graduation. Get ready to be inspired by the stories of our alumni and learn valuable insights from their career journeys. Now it's time to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. I'm here today with my guest, Paige Matsarath, graduate of the class of 2018 as a dance major, and then went on to study at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, where she graduated in 2020. And Paige now works at Colgate University as a career advisor and dance instructor. So Paige, please introduce yourself and describe your experience at DeSales and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely, Annie. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, So I found myself at DeSales University um, specifically for the dance program. So I grew up a competitive dancer where I was training and competing nonstop and actually found my way at DeSales from a former dance teacher who also went here. And so when I first got to DeSales, fell in love with the dance program, but also fell in love with everything that it had to offer. I found um, right away from orientation, I was hooked into the Character U program um, and eventually became a peer mentor and worked my way through that program. Also found myself involved in the Career Center and some other different leadership opportunities and truly had a really nice holistic experience at DeSales. I couldn't say any more better things about my DeSales experience. And so I then transitioned to my master's where, you know, I think most people in student affairs kind of find themselves from their love of their undergraduate experience. And so um, like most people, I um, furthered my education to get my master's in student student affairs and higher education. And now I'm working at Colgate University for my first entry level position right out of school. And within my role, I get to work with all of the creative arts students. So a really unique way to really combine my interests of arts and dance, but also my love of higher education and career services. That's amazing. I think it's so beautiful that you can marry your passion for dance and a job as awesome as career coaching. And and especially in a field like dance, where it is very difficult to figure out what opportunities you have from dancing and especially in Center Valley, Pennsylvania. I always think about how we're kind of in a remote location for any kind of dance jobs, whether that's like commercial dancing and or, um, you know, all kinds of opportunities. But it's nice that you can get that great experience at the sales and then go on to do lots of other things like how you're doing it. So Did you always know that, did you know about your position now? And like, did you always know that you wanted to go into career coaching or was it something just kind of like brought upon you during your time at DeSales? I had no idea you could work in higher ed. Um, I really went into my DeSales experience with the idea of graduating and moving right to New York, freelancing, figuring it out. That's really always what I wanted until my junior or senior year, I was connecting with Kristen Eichholz in the Career Center and telling her that I, I love college. I love thinking about leadership development and student development. And then she kind of put it in my head, you know, you can actually work in higher ed. So um, that's when I started to do my research and found all of these different graduate schools. There are so many amazing programs, but ended up at IUP, which is where Kristen went, was really excited to follow in her footsteps. 
That is true. And Kristen has these conversations with us all the time, which is we're blessed to know that we have so many opportunities and outlets and higher ed is, is a great field to be in. Could you tell us some reasons why you love working in higher ed? Oh, so many reasons. But I think one of the main, main things that really gives me my energy and my motivation is connecting with really awesome students. Um, you know, today I had a, a wonderful meeting with a student who just got accepted into graduate school. And it's news like that that is really rewarding to see them through this process, to give them the confidence that they need to take on some of those opportunities that they think they might not maybe be ready for, but we know that they are. And really being able to have those conversations and challenge them a little bit, but also provide that support when necessary. So it's really connecting with the students and seeing their journey throughout the experience. And also reflecting a little bit on, you know, myself as a student, thinking about when I was in their shoes and passing passing along some of that insight and guidance. So aside from the reward, what are some of the challenges that you face every day or here and there that, you know, how, and how do you overcome those challenges? Yeah, really great question. And it's actually something that I talk about pretty frequently with my students. I really don't think there is a perfect job, right? I absolutely love my work, but there are moments of my job that can be challenging. And so, for example, I love to communicate in person, verbally communicate, but sending emails and <laughs> taking notes are, are one of the things that are, are is not my favorite or not on the top of my to-do list. And so it, it's really finding those moments where I can recharge and connect with people to get that energy um, in order to keep pushing forward. And so, you know, while it's those little little moments of taking e- or sending those emails and things, um, it, it's a simple task. Might not be my favorite, but it's definitely necessary. So um, what do you feel at DeSales prepared you the most for your career? I know you said you were involved in lots of fun activities at DeSales. So how do you feel like those experiences shaped your, shaped you now to where you're going and what you're doing now? Yeah. You know, I think what is so amazing about your college experience is that you're learning so much in the classroom, especially at a school like DeSales. When you're taking a wide variety of courses, you are gaining the necessary skills that are going to translate into any industry. And so I was learning about what it meant to be a critical thinker or to problem solve really quickly. And then I was translating that right into the hands-on work that I was doing within the clubs and organizations that I was involved in. And so I really think they go hand in hand, being able to learn about these, but then actually put them to work, essentially. Um, I would say, you know, my involvement at DeSales has made me who I am today, has made me, you know, the the leader that I am, and it makes me very proud to contribute the work that I'm doing at another university. Your position at Colgate now, you said was your first, like, jump right into your career journey. Did you like look at other places, other um, positions before deciding? Mm, Yeah. So I was actually job searching um, May 2020. So when the pandemic hit and funny story, I interviewed for my position at Colgate the week before the pandemic actually started. And so when I was job searching, I was searching just generally career advisors or or working within career services um, within the East Coast. Um, My parents are in New Jersey, so I knew I wanted to be relatively close to them. And so I was just going for more generic career services things until I found the position at Colgate. 
And so career centers can look differently. They might be staff that are all generalists and can connect with any student based on any interest. But then there are different centers that will have specific advisors based on those industries. So truthfully, I never even thought about being an advisor for creative areas until I found the posting at Colgate. Truthfully, I didn't even know what Colgate was until I saw the position and was absolutely thrilled. Um, so once I interviewed for Colgate, unfortunately, with the pandemic, everything went on a hiring freeze. So I wasn't able to start my journey until September 2020. But during that time, I started to pivot a little bit and think a little bit more creatively about my search. So I was looking at performing arts schools in New York City or, or Philly area. And while I wanted career services, seeing how I could potentially get a foot in there. So if it was within residence life, but within art students, or if it was, you know, academic advising, whatever that might have looked like, as long as it was within the arts, that was what I was primarily focusing on. But very happy that I am where I am today at Colgate. Yeah, absolutely. So as a dance major, and then obviously you found the interest for higher ed, did you, um, well, how, how do you integrate that throughout your everyday now between, you know, coaching students on how to progress their dance degree and um, just overcome those challenges and finding opportunities? Yeah, you know, I think kind of being in their shoes is really unique. Um, one of the things that I love working or love about working with creative students is getting to know them as an individual, but also about their creative process. So what is it that drives them as an artist and what really motivates them? And what are those, you know, areas of inspiration that are going to be necessary, almost like those values that are necessary to see in their everyday life and really thinking strategically how we can find whether it is companies organizations um, that are, are making an impact in the world or having those similar values to ensure that, you know, their, their creative process will be respected within where, what they're going into. And so I think for me as a dance major, you know, there are, are so many things that I bring into my advising style. Um, for example, in one of our um, choreography classes, I believe it was our um, creative process class, um, forgive me because I can't remember who it was, but there, there is a style of giving feedback. And so actually it was for our shows. Whenever we would have an upcoming show, the entire department would come together and we would give feedback. But the way we would do that is by saying, I have a suggestion about your costumes. Would you like to hear it? And if the choreographer really likes the costume and doesn't want to hear any suggestions, they can say, no, thank you. Or they can say yes. And so there's little moments like this where if I know that a colleague is working on a program and I, I think there might be a unique suggestion about something, I'll offer the suggestion and see if they want to take it. But actually, I've had moments when they're like, actually, I feel really good about the room structure. I think I'm going to keep it. OK, cool. No hard feelings. Moving on. So it's little things like that where, you know, I think artists have a really unique perspective on the world and, and think about the ways that we're communicating with others and also just being able to connect about, you know, the, the type of work that we're doing that really allows you to bring a unique process to when you're either advising students or just connecting with one another. That is an extremely important skill in <clears throat> not just in dance and everything, being able to tackle those questions appropriately by I have a suggestion for you would you like to hear it and being able to make that choice whether or not you you know want to hear that suggestion and because like you said artists they they're I was a dancer for so many years 
And when you come up with your own creative content, it's your own and it's you. And it's very kind of like a sensitive, vulnerable thing that I'm sharing my choreography, my ideas, my song choices, my costume choices with all of you. And not everyone's going to love it. And you know that that causes tension. So I can completely understand that and how that is a big challenge. So that is really awesome that there are ways around that and teaching those ways to, you know, make everyone feel comfortable and increase the collaborativeness within the group. What are some areas of growth in your position now? So where do you see yourself in maybe five, 10 years from now? Would you like to be in the same role or something more like progressed and advanced or are you happy, content with like what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. I think that I, it's something that I'm constantly thinking about, but I think it changes a little bit. So when I was initially in graduate school, right away, I was like, I'm going to go get my PhD. I'm going to you know, be a dean of students. I'm so excited to take on these challenges. But as I've transitioned, especially in the pandemic, there is so much that goes on, the, on behind the scenes in higher ed that I just truly didn't know about. And so I think I'm still trying to figure out what that might look like. Um, So within my role right now, I primarily do advising and then I create both skill-based and industry-based programs. And so I think in terms of what growth might be, um, you know, it might be overseeing either student workers in the future. It might be overseeing some staff as well. Um, I think as of right now, I'm pretty content. I, there is so much to learn about the industries that I oversee. And so just to give you an idea of what that looks like, I oversee um, museums and art galleries, book publishing, theater, um, film and media studies, marketing, journalism. And that is just the the few that are on top of my, you know, at at the forefront of my head. And so I know that I still have a lot of growth in terms of understanding these industries that are constantly changing. Um, But I think in the near future, definitely that progression in terms of having some more supervisory roles will be exciting because it'll be something that's new for me. And I should also mention, um, which you mentioned in in my introduction is that um, as of right now, I'm currently teaching dance at a few different studios. Um, outside of Colgate. And so that is an area where I'm constantly thinking about, like, what are my next steps? How can I challenge myself as a teacher and an educator and a choreographer? And what does that look like as I do that hand in hand with my higher ed experience? So I don't have the answer just yet, but I think that's the beautiful thing. I think oftentimes we have this vision of where we're going to be in two, three years from now. But I think as a result of the pandemic, we've kind of realized that uncertainty might not be our comfortable place, but I think it's an important place or an important thing to go through because it really allows us to evaluate what we're looking for and what true happiness is. So I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah, absolutely. And you said it perfectly that, you know, everyone learned lots of lessons from this pandemic in like looking at their future and you don't know what the next day could look like. And I think that, you know, you have to keep a lot of options open and you have to have an open mind because if you're very cut, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is my plan. Well, you can't, you can't control like outside factors. You don't know. So it's really important to, you know, get a good hold of what you know you love and what you know you can do, what you're skilled at, but then be able to be flexible in those areas, which I, you know, it's amazing that you can do both. You can, 
you know, practice and instruct dance and do what you love that way and also do what you love career-wise. So could you tell us more about your dance background? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first moved out here in um, September, October-ish 2020, unfortunately, the the dance and the academic years started. So um, I kind of took the year to transition, get a feel of what it looked like to work at Colgate. Um, And during that time, I started working from home until that summer. And so I worked from home for a decent amount of time, probably seven months. And um, I I found that having a work-life balance was nearly non-existent Um, because I was working in the space that I was living. I was constantly checking my emails, constantly thinking about what's on my to-do list for the next day. And the work that, you know, I do in career services is not life or death. And so I really was trying to find a way to have that separation. And so once I started in this next academic year, I decided to um, pursue some studios in the local area and just kind of send out my resume, see if they needed help. And luckily I got some wonderful traction. And so I will say, you know, there are moments where it is exhausting. I teach at um, two different studios. I do um, three or four nights a week, and then sometimes on the weekends. And so, you know, there are moments where after three or four days of a 10 to 12 hour day long, I'm kind of like, oh, Friday, like that, that is going to be a rough day. But, you know, I, having this idea of I go to Colgate, I do my work and I have to leave at five. Once I leave at five, I leave my work there. I jump into the studio. I use all my energy. I tire myself out. I connect with the cutest. <laughs> sometimes they're cutest. Uh, sometimes kids can be a pain in the pain. Um, <laughs> I, I connect with some really awesome energetic kids um, where I'm able to utilize that creative side of my brain. I'm able to think you know, more about how I'm supporting young dancers and and really elevating them in this space. And then I come home and and pass out and do it all over again. And so, you know, I think while, like I said, while it might be exhausting every now and then I'm young now, so I might as well do it now. And it has been a wonderful mentally, it has been a wonderful way to have that work-life balance and to continue utilizing my creative side. I remember those days, you know, going to dance practice super late at night mm-hmm. and after a long day of like school, I can't imagine work, but I mean, long days and then going, letting all your energy out and just passing out and doing it again all the over the next day. And mm-hmm. it's so fun. And I, I remember loving those years, but I also remember just how grueling it was on my mind and my body. Like you exert so much energy and you stretch your body so much that it became just like, you know, mentally and physically exhausted, but it's rewarding and it's so fun when you love it so much, it's just worth it all. So that's mm-hmm. really amazing. But, yeah. and Annie, I think you, you bring up a really important part here, like being able to understand and know what those boundaries are for you. And so for me, I think, you know, potentially going into this next academic year, I might take a few steps back with teaching and that's okay because I have to know where my priorities are and where I can put my energy. And so while it's working out really great right now, I'm thinking that, you know, I want to be able to give my full self to my kids. And with the amount of classes that I have right now, sometimes that's challenging being creative of thinking of new content, new recital dances and ideas and things. And so I want to make sure that I can give my full authentic self to both of these sides. And I think, you know, 
it's a, a vulnerable move of, you know, putting yourself out there, like you said, mentally, physically, emotionally, it's, it can be draining, but now I know what those limits are. And now I'm going to have a, a really good balance. And I, I still, you know, the second that I get to teaching, sometimes I'm like, oh goodness, like I can't wait to go home and like have my leftovers or, or whatever that might be. And like, that might not be until nine o'clock at night. But the second I put the music on and I see the kids, I feel like I'm like just living the life and exactly where I'm supposed to be. And it's all totally worth it. Absolutely. So what would be like the top three personal qualities that you suggest students develop for success in your role as a dancer and as a career advisor? Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about this question since we last connected. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was finding some qualities that have not yet been represented from some of the previous podcast episodes. But I have to say, you know, you, we've had some really wonderful alumni that have been represented. So, um, you know, I think a, a common theme within some of the episodes is communicating, which is so necessary. But I also want to take this in a, another way and think about listening, right? So listening is many different things. It can be individual where you're listening to yourself understanding where you are, where you need to go and how you can get there, but also really listening to others. And so getting a sense of what their needs are, maybe what their communication styles are and how you can really, you know, connect with them the way that's going to be the best for them, right? Getting a sense of how you can have that relationship or how they prefer to be communicated with or what their creative process is. That way you can really help elevate them within their career as well. So I would say listening is going to be one of the ones that I wanted to highlight. The other thing that I'll say is working with different people. And so getting a sense of, you know, how do all of these different perspectives come to make a successful result and understanding, you know, when you might have to step in a little bit more or when you can let others, you know, take the reins. I think sometimes it's really easy to either step back and be comfortable, or it's easy for others to maybe take three steps forward and just take something and run with it. But being able to understand what a team dynamic really looks like and getting a sense of how you can contribute effectively so that you can help elevate other people is really important. The last thing that I'll, I'll mention, um, and I think we already talked a little bit about this, is that idea, especially for artists, is being vulnerable, right? Vulnerability looks different for everybody, but there are beautiful things that happens when we are vulnerable, when we put ourselves out there, when we take those risks. And, you know, sometimes it, it might be maybe not the best, maybe there might be some challenges along the way, but the growth that comes with that, amazing things can happen with that. So, you know, I wish I had a more distinct way to be vulnerable or a good example, but I think that looks very different for everybody. And so being comfortable, being uncomfortable and taking those risks, I think is really important just with everyday life. Yes, absolutely. Are there any examples that you could give us like personally in your dance experience about how you have tackled any of those concepts? So in terms of moments where I've been vulnerable, I think it's a lot easier to think about myself as an artist. And so one of the examples that I think about right now is I'm currently choreographing um, a small group contemporary piece that is competitive at one of my studios. And 
where we're trying to make this a really individualized process for them. So every class we start by journaling. Um, I have the dancers set goals. I have them write down their pros that they did for the day. What are good things that they applied? What is one challenge that they want to fix next week? But within this piece, I have asked them each to be vulnerable and identify areas of growth for them, whether it be their contribution to the world, whether it be, you know, what they want to do in the next year and finding moments to really put that into our piece. So I, I would say that is a, has been awesome and rewarding, but also challenging as well, because they are young dancers and trying to challenge them sometimes, you know, I, I want to be, be mindful that they are young and I, I want to ensure that it is a really specialized process for them. Now within higher ed, I would say um, when I came into my role at Colgate, um, you know, I think naturally when we think of, you know, career services, we think of um, networking and, and getting help for, um, you know, more of the traditional fields, right? We have this idea that networking is very um, like black tie, you meet for a dinner, you connect with somebody, you get the referral, and that's not always the case. And so I find that I'm constantly thinking about and challenging what do those moments of being connected look like for artists? Because, you know, it's not black tie, you connect, you get, co you get coffee, right? It's collaborating with one another for projects and things and being able to actually be, you know, creating a, a final you know, film production where you have many hands on deck and understanding what your contribution is in that team. I like what you said about how networking isn't all about being super fancy. It's about just every time you meet somebody, connecting with that person, learning who they are, what they do. So I really do love the example of your vulnerability because children, especially like children and just students, we're all very impressionable. And those were... I was spending more time with my dance teachers at one point than I was spending with my family, with my friends. I was always in dance class. And that's where I learned a lot of things. I learned discipline. I learned um, just mentally, like, you know, this is time for you to just check out, forget about all the stress of the day, just get it out on the dance floor and just, you know, um, that's that's the most important part of it all is that you are really influencing these students and how you have to be very strategic how you go about that because if you know you're having a bad day and then you take it out on the kids they're going to they're not going to have a good experience and so being a dance teacher requires a lot of just you know having patience and strength for these young kids which i'm sure you have a lot of and that's a really important message Thank you, Paige, for joining me today and sharing your stories and your experiences with everyone. If anyone would like to reach out to Paige, I have her contact info linked in the caption. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Beyond the Tassel um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Paige, is there anything you'd like to add? Thank you so much, Annie. Um, it is it was such an, a pleasure and an honor being able to connect with you, but also reconnect with the university that I fell in love with. So I really appreciate you thinking of me and inviting me here and allowing me to be vulnerable and sharing my story. Great. So I'm so excited we were able to do this. And thanks again for joining me. But I'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you once again for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Tassel. It is our honor to present the success stories of our DeSales alumni via podcast. 
If you are a DeSales alumni and would like to be a guest on the show, you can contact melanie.valone at desales.edu. And if you are currently a DeSales student and would like to connect with an alumni in your field, you can contact kathy.kraus at desales.edu. Until next time, Bulldogs.